Welcome to the Breathe Life Podcast. I'm Fahim Mujahid, a Miami-based integrative health and life coach, fitness and nutrition expert, personal trainer, and private yoga and meditation teacher. Each week, we'll explore meaningful content surrounding the importance and impact of living a life of mindfulness or inspiring interviews with the same intention. Together, we'll incorporate a variety of topics given with the same intention to educate, enrich, and inspire one's life. Welcome home. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You know who it is, Fahim Mujahid. Welcome again to the Breathe Life Podcast. Listen, so today is a special occasion for me um, for one reason and one reason only. Um, there's rare that you get a chance to talk to someone that you perceive as one of your heroes. I've been inspired by this spirit from since the moment we met many years ago. Um, to say he has a magic to create something meaningful and purposeful in this world would be a vast understatement. Um, he now spends a lot of his time traveling around the world and I'm always finding inspiration from his story, his legacy, what he's about. I'm beyond proud every time I see his growth and what he's doing um, by living his life as virtual so and big and large as possible he gives me permission to do the same so i'm blessed to be able to share with you guys someone with whom i consider to be one of my brothers soul brothers matthew sherman matthew welcome to the Five podcast thank you for having me Fox. it's my pleasure man it's uh man it's beyond good to see you it's beyond good to see you man it's uh you know one of the things that continue to show up for me and this is a true story um, today, I wanted to talk a lot about the exploration of self, right? I think for me, there was a lot of things that happened within a short period of time that really challenged who I knew myself or who I thought myself to be. I felt myself being pushed into doing other things like this podcast and to being a healer and a teacher beyond movement after committing to being a trainer and a strength coach for 16 years and then getting into yoga. And in a lot of ways, I didn't necessarily give myself permission to do that. And I think if I'm in, in full transparency, I think seeing how you've been able to create something at different levels throughout your life, but also always look for ways to explore and rebrand and recreate who you are to yourself and who you are and how you represent yourself to others. So I wanted to, I thought that was a good place to start. One, talk about a little bit, give people the context who may not be familiar with your story. You know, obviously a lot of people here in Miami know you as a heartbeat in the in the in the beautiful mind behind Hugo Fresh, but you were doing dope shit before that. And now you're doing dope shit now. So just to give a little just to give the audience a little backstory about who you are and, 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 and what you're doing now. Cool. Um, well one I really uh, thank you for the introduction. It's great to see you shining and I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to watch you continue to grow and evolve and to now be here on your podcast seeing you do your thing and seeing you shine uh, makes me light up. So excited to be here and appreciate that. Um, as far as my background, so I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland mostly. Uh, youngest of four boys and uh, really was very much into sports and was a basketball coach for a long time got my master's in performance psychology and was always really interested in human behavior and how the brain works and psychology and sociology fascinated by our journeys fascinated by human stories and fascinated by creating an experience that could uh, really be a platform for people to open up and change their perception or grow as an individual and that has 
take a form in many different ways. Uh, sometimes it's taking form in basketball and leading a team, picking a captain and creating an atmosphere. Uh, and, you know, I remember one of my teams was one in 19 and it was probably one of the best seasons of my entire life because we were able to transform the way people could feel about themselves outside of results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those sort of challenges are what really get me going. And then later on in life, uh, after being tired of working with athletes um, and being in this sort of like win-loss, hyper-finite uh, game of sports, I ventured out into holistic uh, uh, nutrition and more coaching and uh, ended up at a place in Hawaii that treated cancer patients and doing cold-pressed juice there, discovered cold-pressed juice uh, for the first time in my personal life and decided to uh, make that into something that I could offer to private clients in Miami, Florida, and uh, that took off and eventually became uh, a business called Hugo Fresh here, uh, which we uh, had an incredible run from 2011 to 2018, where we then went out of business, and since uh, exiting Hugo Fresh, I've been living in Brooklyn, New York. Shout and, out. Yeah, Brooklyn. Born New York, born born New Yorker right here. So, you know, I don't I don't reference it a lot, but yeah, so Brooklyn. Man, it's like just home. like it's such a special place. You hear about it all the time. My dad's from New York, so yeah. um he always said he would never go back and uh, I've had a lot of friends who grew up in New York who are like, I'll never go back and they love it, but they'll never go back. Right. <laughs> and I think he, he, being somebody who, who moved there when I was 38 years old, I have a very different perspective uh, than, you know, if I had moved there when I was like 20. And mm-hmm. I love it. Man. It's, yeah. There's so much culture. You can walk down a street, you walk down Canal Street in Manhattan, and you'll literally hear 10 different languages on one block. Mm. You can go to Queens and eat the entire world. Yeah. There's no place like New York yeah. in this world. There's big cities everywhere. Yeah. But there's no place as diverse and as culturally advanced mm-hmm. and forward thinking as New York. And Brooklyn is a is a cool pocket. It's you know changed a lot. Uh, my just my neighborhood has changed a lot in the last like five years. Yeah. So I can't imagine how much it's changed since you lived there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Man. Yeah. Um, so living in Brooklyn, but uh, working as a culinary strategist, stepping out as a poet and author, nice. and still doing some performance psychology work, but. That's uh, really word of mouth and uh, very dependent on that. Uh, The other two I'm really pushing hard on right now. You know what? I love that, man. And one of the things that shows up for me just kind of hearing just the story, um, you know, have you always just kind of known that, you know, you, you, you come up a lot in a lot of the stuff that I read. I'm an avid reader, as you know, and a lot of things that show up for me is this idea that who we are and who we're meant to be is this fixed finite point. Right. And we don't really necessarily have the discussion around how our purpose and who we're meant to be in this world is something that's um, that's uh, that that's evolving. It's dynamic. Right. And I hear your story at at different points throughout your journey. One would think you would be defined by this or defined by that. Have you always had this? forward thinking idea around this journey that you're on and knowing that there's pieces that you can take from each chapter, but that this chapter doesn't necessarily define what you do, who you are. Man, I really, there's moments where if, uh, if I'm alone in a room 
and having a tough time, maybe I think my life is made up of exactly the parts that you can see on the exterior. But in general, uh, my more of my daily mode of operation is for sure seeing my life as a much longer game and work of art than just a, a moment or a snapshot a snapshot of a moment mm. so i think there's times definitely where i'm like not feeling myself and not feeling what i'm doing where i think that my life is made up there are some of its parts mm -hmm. but for the most for the most part i think i, I consistently view my life as a process and it's more fun to be in a process where there's some improvement and uh, there's a goal my brain really likes that I get more engaged that way and the more engaged I am the more light the more light I feel in my body the more lit up I get in my heart and my soul so being engaged is important but and the older I get the more years I get behind me the more failures the more successes uh, the more I understand that this thing doesn't matter you know I've, had, I've been in a position in my life where from an external point of view you know everybody and you knew me really personally in this mm -hmm. point in time you know I, I was a 360 pound kid from Baltimore mm -hmm. you know like you, you're not supposed to be able to go to another city like Miami and find success and you're definitely not supposed to have like at that weight and that stature a uh, really hot uh, girlfriend but I had a, a hot fiance I had a really successful business I was on the you know cover of uh, the Miami Herald I was mm -hmm. on the USA Today morning show you know like I had moments where uh, signing deals with major corporations like Whole Foods were from an external standpoint mm -hmm. you would look at my life and be like you know he's he's doing great Mm -hmm. But internally, it was the worst I've ever felt in my life. So, you know, I think you, as you have experiences like that, you realize that life isn't finite. Like, you can have a lot of things and still feel empty. You can have nothing and still feel alive. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you can't have everything and feel alive or mm -hmm. have nothing and feel terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's just that you once you get those two anchor points in life and you mm -hmm. see those things I think it becomes a lot easier to see it as a process than a finite game I love that you know it's funny because you talk about like a lot of those external confirmations and I think a lot of times we do look you know we look at how things perceive <clears throat> and we assume that that perception is supposed to be met by our reality you know, I but I also too understand that sometimes when you talk about kind of like how those things are showing up for you and like you say, you have all those things lining up for you that you bust your ass for. And now you get to this point where you have this um, you find this companionship in this beautiful person on the on at least on the external side of things. You 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 acquire these lucrative opportunities, you're being interviewed, you're creating, you're magnifying Miami. I think for me, just speaking personally, um, you put Miami on the map in a lot of ways that for me, Miami wasn't even near the stratosphere of being on the map for. So when you have all these things showing up for you, I imagine is that is it is it that much harder to walk away from that when you know, when you finally get to that place in your mind, and only you know where that was, where you were like, you know what, this isn't happiness for me. This isn't all that's made out to be. I'm gonna 
I'm going to choose to do something else. Especially when you had all those external confirmations that Sherm, you're the shit. Sherm, keep going. Your, you know, your profit margins are exploding. People around here can't stop saying who go fresh and all these different things going out for you. Was it what did it make it even more challenging for you to do something else and for you to say, you know what, this isn't it. I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm going to try a new lane. Um, I think there was a long period of time where, if I'm, if I'm understanding exactly uh, kind of where you're steering the conversation, yeah, it's like there was a long period of time where I think I confused who I am with what I was doing out in the world. Mm. And, um, and I think there's a lot of safety and, and external reinforcement, like looking for that feedback of man, you're doing a great job, or yes, your business is making money, or uh, people think your significant other also has a lot of value. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's all these things that can become confusing as to where you're getting your sort of contentment or happiness. I hate to use the word happiness because uh, it seems like such an impermanent state. Mm -hmm. uh, more like content, uh, place of gratitude for what is, acceptance of what is. Um, and you start to chase more feedback. You know, that's the reason why, you know, feedback loops work. And, you know, you as a trainer understand that, yeah. you know, better than probably most. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you're, you're actually trained in the same way advertising takes advantage of us um, to create consumption, you know, to create demand so we can buy things. And that's how commerce gets done. So there's all these ways that we understand that uh, people use psychology to create patterns in people, whether that's a pattern in a movement or um, adherence to an exercise program or adherence to a brand like Apple before we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, and Fahim mentioned notifications on, and how uh, the universe is reminding you. And I was like, Apple will never stop reminding you of exactly yeah. what you need. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah. legit. And yeah. uh, that same reinforcement and feedback loop uh, can get anchored in in many different ways, whether that's negative, the brain likes familiarity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's definitely scary when you're when you have a source of feedback that's your business, in my case was Hugo Fresh, or a, a significant other, to exit those relationships uh, and to exit that business or to exit a community is brings up a lot of fear because it's not familiar you know, mm -hmm. you're going into unknown unknown can be really uh, scary and anxiety filled um, I happen to really like the unknown um, so for me it's a little bit easier because I've done it so many times but it was there was a good two year period where I was very much lost in that mm -hmm. strong feedback loop that you sort of alluded to yeah yeah and like in the uh, you know just kind of speaking more to that unknown right and you talk about like the importance of feedback that we both can kind of attest to when you're going through these different seasons of your life where you're stepping into something new or something that may be a may appear to be new to other people like being a dope ass poet in brooklyn maybe it may appear to be somewhat new to someone who is buying one of your juices three years ago at Hugo Fresh. If you were to have a conversation with that consumer, yeah, you know he's a poet in Brooklyn, wow. They may not see that distinction or that growth. When you talk about feedback, how important is it for you? Do you require the that positive feedback from other people for you to transition into something else? Or because you're so, you're so um, comfortable with the unknown, not having people support that decision or having people thinking, wow, that's a dope idea or having people giving you that, that's, that's, that's no more important to you than anything else. 
Man, that's such an interesting uh, question. And I'd say I don't lie necessarily on one side or the other. Mm. There's something that really amps me up about people feeling what I'm doing, right? Mm. So if I'm serving a dish at a restaurant um, or creating a brand or uh, delivering a poem or uh, leading a meeting or whatever I'm doing, there's something that really, uh, that connection fuels me. I definitely feel it. It makes me feel really alive. But then there's also something about naysayers that really yeah. makes me want to go That's harder. The Baltimore side of yeah, your Yeah, Baltimore Be side more. of me, probably. <laughs> and, and I think that's a bit of my father, too. You know, my father uh, is an amazing, hardworking man who grew up with nothing and decided that he was going to really change the trajectory of his family, and he did that. So I watched... I had a really strong example of that as a as a young person of what it's like to see somebody be so committed to proving mm. the odds wrong, yeah. um, and uh, you know that's something that I've gotten comfortable with. But as so, that's like my answer in reflection of my life. Yeah, my answer from my truest essence in this moment is that. I am just allowing things to come through and that my job is to remove all the programming that cares about either way, you know, mm. like anything that keeps me from doing anything besides being fully expressed in whatever's coming through me. So like when it comes to poetry, yeah, you don't, I mean, I'll never forget when I first closed Hugo Fresh, my landlord wanted to get on the phone and talk one because he probably wanted his rent check to make sure that that was coming through and two I think he genuinely you know had a, a little bit of that sort of like he had been a part of he was my landlord at my first location and he had been a part of the journey and he was like let me give you some sound advice very successful man uh, let me give you some sound advice stay in the restaurant business you have a lot of momentum in the restaurant business and I think it's really interesting to think about life in that way, you know? And I'm blessed because I don't have to make a lot of decisions based on survival, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm not put in that framework. But it's really interesting that, like, his first inkling was, like, just keep on doing what you're already known for. I don't really see it that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a little bit scary to step out and... and, and call yourself a poet when you've never thought of yourself as an artist mm -hmm. your entire life or to uh, say you're going to write when you know you never thought that you could be a writer there's like some fear in there but at the end of the day it's what's coming through me mm -hmm. and at the worst case scenario nobody likes it and uh, I still gave it a shot at the best case scenario people really like it and I can stay me through that process mm -hmm. Um, I think the danger zone with some of these things is when you start to share what I'm scared of is what happened with Hugo Fresh I'm scared of the same thing with my poetry I recently uh, shared and there was a couple people from uh, at work in the Facebook world they were like oh you gotta start sharing on Facebook you gotta start sharing on social media and there's this it, it, my inkling was to not do that because then you create a feedback loop so let's say Right. I post a poem on, on Instagram and it gets, you know, for me, which would be a lot of likes, like 500, 600 likes, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, people really like that. Amazing. Then I post another one, you know, a week later and it gets 180 likes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to look back at those poems and whether I like it or not, my brain 
will decide that there's something maybe not as good about the one that got 180 likes and something more right about the one that got 500. Mm -hmm. So then I start shaping my poetry to meet the 500 likes and it becomes less and less an expression of my truest essence and more and more this sort of uh, co-created feedback loop that happens in a third party. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a fact of the way our brains work. Right. So for me, that's scary because I saw that happen with HuaFresh, right? HuaFresh was, um, you know, an expression of my heart. It mm-hmm. was something I wanted to give to people so they could feel better, more alive. I wanted to give people this gift of, of healthy food with no judgment where they could have fun and eat. You know, that's why our names were the way that they were. They, were, they weren't, uh, nobody else before Hugo Fresh was uh, uh, naming healthy products with fun names. You know, mm-hmm. it was all of these like, you know, food killer and things like this yeah. that made you feel like you had to like have something wrong in order to have these things. My biggest thing for me with Hugo Fresh that I think we accomplished was making healthy eating fun and a less arduous task. And, uh, you know, I think you've seen that sort of manifest in other businesses since, which we're proud of and really happy about that. But over time, the feedback loop became so strong that more people want this. Whole Foods will want you to do more, make more. Other people are going to copy you, like these sort of things to where we just grew too fast and mm. it ended up uh, failing as a, a as a business. Yeah. You know, it's I always look for I always look for finding myself in the person with whom I'm having conversations with. I think um, from a human standpoint, from even from a spiritual standpoint, I think if you can find um, the similarities between the person you're sharing space with, it makes being present that much easier. It also makes the dialogue much more authentic. And I think by way of doing that, I always look for tie-ins that really stand out to me. And I want to bring back two points from what you had just shared. The first thing was the conversation you had with your landlord. Now, for me, and I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday about the idea that a lot of it has to do with its relationship to when I moved to Miami, my wife and I moved to Miami. Um, Hugo Fresh to us was more than just, you know, uh, a place that you go for an acai bowl or juice. As with a lot of people within the community, it was the identity of the culture that was not being spoken for. I think in Miami, you know, I think Miami gets typecast as this Sean Combs, white linen parties and bathing suits all over the place, which is one lane. But I think with Hugo Fresh, Hugo Fresh was a voice for the voiceless, I think, in a lot of ways. And you made people feel the brand made people feel included in, in areas that they didn't necessarily feel included. And I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. So when you think about that journey that you went on. And I remember your first location off of Venetian Causeway, right? And and meeting you even prior to that and hearing about your work. Do you find that the community that you've established, you know, some of those people still follow me, I still see them doing, and now they're growing and having their own families and they're doing different things. And when you think about the transitioning to where you are right now, what part of what you built do you miss the most when you think back to Hugo Fresh? I mean, I just, I love being in action. So like, I love creating things and then putting them out in the world. So, you know, I don't get to do that as often 
as I as I used to. So when I do get that opportunity, I, I remember back to days with uh, Hugo first. So on a personal level, being in creation is really mm-hmm. a, a place of magic for me personally and what lights up my spirit. But the thing that I missed the most, there was a small window. It didn't last as long as I would have liked it to mm-hmm. with, with Hugo Fresh, where we had a staff that believed that a small juice business could change the world. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a tight-knit group of people where the uh, team was really uh, in love with what we were doing, in love with each other, and felt very connected. And then uh, as we started to grow and putting structure and got stretched thin, that got lost. But if I could look back to the thing that I loved the most was uh, that there was like, I would say it was like 2000, uh, 14-ish, mm. 2015, early 2015, mm-hmm. there was so much magic within that group of people where, you know, uh, intelligent, kind-hearted, empathetic, omni-curious humans mm. were uh, along for a ride of, they. nobody knew what the hell we were doing, you know, they didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing, it was my first business, yeah. I had no clue what was going on, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, and, uh, but I believed in, in, the, in the cause, and I believed in what we were doing, and uh, I think that being around a group of people that believe in something bigger than themselves is, and the energy of that is, uh, a high that I'll be chasing for the rest of my life, mm. uh, you know. And uh, if you played sports or you've been involved with a band and or been in a state of flow with others, mm. whether that's in a yoga room or um, in a group class, those little pockets of life where there's a moment of silence where you feel so filled in the moment. Um, there, there were so many of us in a good like year stretch of Google Fresh where if I just stayed quiet for two seconds and looked around me, I would be filled with the utmost joy and gratitude and liveliness and mm-hmm. uh, fullness. So I think those two things, being creation and, and that little pocket that we had in like 2014, yeah. uh, it would be the thing that missed the most. And at the time in 2014, you had how many locations? Because you speak about had, the growth, so we had one. Uh, well, we had one open location, and then we had just opened Winwood uh, okay. as our second location. The Beyonce Green Fan location. Uh, yeah, Beyonce. <laughs> that was that was. A, it will always go down in infamy, man. I still remember that photo. Just with just first of all, who idea was it to do those fans like that? Had, you had the different color shades of green, but you had all the fans spray painted. So th- this was actually a really funny story. So we had an architectural firm, a local firm that we had hired, and I walked into the job site one day, and they had like designed this space that was like red and like really modern mm-hmm. and I really didn't like it and they were very resistant to me wanting to change it so I fired them I called one of my good friends uh, Mark Diaz shout out Mark Allen Diaz shout design. out shout out uh, and my brother John Sherman Flavor Paper shout, shout out, out. <laughs> does he still own Flavor Paper yeah. I need to get on him yeah, yeah. Mark Mark, it, Mark Allen Diaz and my brother John uh, from Flavor Paper are 
two of the most talented uh, creators of space that I know. Mm. So I called them and I was like, dude, I'm in a state of emergency. I got to get this thing open and I hate where it's going. Like, come help me. And they both did. And we spent uh, about two, three weeks uh, nonstop getting that thing to open. A lot of it was a was a collaboration. I think a lot mm. of it was a combination of caffeine and no sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, like uh, when you have that right amount of melatonin and serotonin and yeah. lack of uh, or a real inhibition towards life and a state of urgency pushing on you, there's a place for some magic to be born. And I think uh, a lot of what you ended up seeing in that location was yeah. was just that. But the the statement pieces of, of the stripes uh, and the like sort of laser idea of the yeah. way that the, the, the things went was an idea from putting the camouflage wallpaper and how to stretch those colors through the space nice. uh, that I think was probably Mark's idea. Okay. And then the wallpaper with the, using the two camouflages with the you know, uh, Last Supper being on the backsplash of the juice shop, uh, which is what, why Beyonce took that picture and why it was controversial because she was sitting where Jesus was sitting. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Uh, yeah, the reason why that photo really blew up is because Beyonce took a picture in front of Jesus oh, at wow. the table. Oh, um, wow. So, like, all of her, like, really religious following yeah. had a lot of backlash, and then a lot of her supporters really loved the photo oh. because she's, like, ridiculously beautiful. <laughs> And she's like, I mean, she she runs the world, man. She runs the world. Yes. You know, so it's funny because, you know, you talk about you, you use the word magic. And what I realized is that what you were able to create in 2014, using kind of like your reference back to 2014, is something that I work with. A, I'm blessed to work with a lot of owners of businesses. And they talk a lot about trying to create what you were able to bottle. Right. And not being able to do that still have successful companies, but it doesn't exude culture. It doesn't exude community connection. It doesn't exude, you know, a lot of the 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 the, the desire to create something great has to not only come from outside, but there's usually a, a reward system attached to it. But what you had was something that was so authentic. People, it seemed as if people were lining up to give their best for the person next to them if for no other reason. Could you give any, for, for anyone that's listening to this, that's creating something or want or wanting to create something equal, whether it be the team that they're coaching, whether it be a Pilates studio that they own and they want to find a way to connect and inspire their instructors, whether it be a yoga instructor opening a, a new yoga studio, or it could be a new juice company in, in Brooklyn trying to take off. To create that culture, to create a, the team like that, is there any sneak peeks into what you think led to what you were able to create and bottle in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you have to, as as a business leader, which is a real challenge, you have to really believe in something that's bigger than just your bottom line, hmm. unless all of your motivation is coming from bottom line stuff, right? So like if your business is is really focused on making money and then your your staff all their all the conversations focus on making money and their interests are in making money, then I think you can find alignment in that and stay with that note. 
But if your interest and the people that you hire's interest is in something larger or different, it's important to understand what those are and make sure that the song that you're playing to, that they can dance to it. You know, like, you, you know, if, uh, if you have somebody who only likes dancing to country music and you're playing hip hop, you're going to have problems. You know? mm-hmm. Like the, the dance floor is going to be empty. So you got to make sure that you're playing the right song for everybody to have an, an enjoyment of, right? That mm-hmm. alignment through the process is really important. And then I think both staying hyper focused on where you're going with your business and how you're going to get there but mm-hmm. also being able to get present enough to listen to what other people are saying and talk to them and connect with them and uh, help advance their lives and add value to them is, is also i think mm-hmm. a big part of that that we did really well in the beginning um we did really well in the beginning mm-hmm. and i think that that is what people responded to was the, the authenticity of where it was created. You know, I think what's hard is is for people to backtrack into culture. Mm. You know, and to try to make it like what Hugo First was. You can't listen. I was three hundred and sixty pounds. So, like, in order to understand the how difficult that the way you perceive health is for somebody who's struggling with their health, you have to really experience that. Mm-hmm. So the reason why Hugo Fresh could give that light feeling to it was because I understood the anchor of the pain when it comes to self-judgment, when it comes to struggle with health and wellness. And then a lot of my education was around that. Now, I didn't enter into the juice business being like, oh, like, you know, juice is trending. Mm-hmm. How do I make money off of this? I entered into it like, this shouldn't be this painful. Like I shouldn't have to go into a place and feel like I need to be able to count enzymes or be really judgmental over somebody who eats pizza or smokes cigarettes mm-hmm. in order to fit in here. And I think when you said that it was a brand that accepted everybody, it, I literally one of our mantras was like, I don't give a fuck if somebody walks in here eating pizza or smoking a cigarette, you treat them just as somebody walks in with a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. They're all the same to us. You know, they're all on a journey. We're here to serve. We're here to make them feel comfortable inside of our restaurant experience. And that was something that was our service mindset from day one and it was really intentional now could i have made that culture for you to then feel that mm-hmm. in a boardroom i don't know mm-hmm. so i think it's tough i think the biggest thing is to be you you know yeah yeah you know it's <clears throat> it's funny because around the time that you were shifting out of that or into something new I had taken this trip that I was blessed with the opportunity to go to on behalf of Lululemon where I was in Canada. And they were talking to the top ambassadors around the country. And I'm sitting here in this room with some of the most dynamic spirits I've ever come in contact with. And I'm like, man, why am I in this room? I'm not worthy, right? You have that you have that voice that's telling you that. And you know where it's coming from. So you do whatever you can to make sure that you set the proper language up to where you find a place for that. But when I'm in that space, I never forget um, it was uh, the lead, the conversation was led by someone named Jedediah Jenkins, who's a New York Times bestselling author now, but he had gone to Los Angeles originally to become a lawyer. 
And he was talking about how his journey to becoming a writer was something that someone else saw in him before he saw in himself. He started to critique a lot of the marketing stuff that his law firm was doing. And he would tweak, make certain tweaks in the language of it. So much to where the owner of the law firm was like, oh, just have Jedediah do it. You're so good at that. And he started realizing that, oh, wow, maybe I am really good at this. So the reason why I bring this up is because I'm sitting here next to this guy whom I've never met to this moment. I don't even know he's the guy that's leading this conversation because we're all amongst each other. It's like lunchtime or something. And then they call him up and I'm like, oh shit, that was the guy I was just ta- I was just talking to. We weren't talking about anything substantial. We were just talking about how's your trip to Canada? How do you like it? What do you guys have planned? It was very superficial. And we get up there and he's walking back and forth and he's giving his speech. And I still think to this day, it was one of the more captivating talks I've ever been a part of. And he looked directly at me. Now, mind you, this is like day three. So I've already built somewhat of a relationship with at least 30 of the 100 ambassadors there, whether because of proximity, whether because like interests, whether because the groups that we were in. So the person... Because you're a New Yorker. Because I'm a New Yorker, right? (laughs) So the person next to me was from New York and the other person was next to me on the other side of me from Atlanta. And I was telling them that the biggest challenge I was having was feeling as if after putting all this energy, effort and love into creating a space that I can call my own, I feel like I have done everything in movement that I was still feeling like there was still something else for me to do. And I was, it was, it was hard for me because in one way it, 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 I had to let go of what I thought I wanted. I had to let go of what I attribute a lot of that self-worth to, to pursue something anew. And that was very hard for me if I'm being truly honest. And I've never shared that with anyone, but so for some reason I shared it with these two individuals because we were having one of those, um, we were doing a workshop and part of the workshop was sharing something you never shared before. And at this moment in the conversation, Jedediah looks directly at me and he goes, if you own a gym or you own a studio and you find yourself standing in that space and a small voice shows up, there's more to it. This isn't it. It may be time for you to close that studio and to step up into the next step of your, and it struck right to the heart of me. And when I, when he said it, I knew what I needed to do. And it wasn't necessarily get, you know, you're done with movement, but I knew it was, I needed to change things. I needed to make a shift that was more in alignment with what I felt my calling was. And if I were, if I were to be 100% honest, it was a calling to, to inspire millions of people around the world, use my insight, use the experiences that I have, but use the purpose and the passion behind what it means to ignite people from within. I was being pushed to that. I was being birthed into that. So the reason why I draw this into our conversation is you had mentioned, how do you become a poet when you never really saw yourself or defined yourself as being a poet or same thing with an author? For me, I remember how challenging that was for me. What if those people who follow me for movement, now I'm talking about mindfulness, right? Or how do I see myself in that light, in that space? What does Fahim look like in that space? Was that ever challenging for you, stepping into and claiming something anew for yourself? Or has that always been easy for you as well? Well, I think uh, even though we're on a podcast and things got to keep on moving for the audience, I think we'd be remiss to yeah. to not take a moment to be appreciative of you going through that journey. And I remember being, I remember my apartment, I remember where I was in my apartment, being on the phone with you, mm-hmm. having a really profound conversation when you were first thinking about is there more or is there a different way for me to do it? And this wasn't necessarily influencing millions, but you were you were on track. 
that's you know and for people listening who, who are, are listening for specifically for inspiration I think you can draw from Fahim's experience here and uh, you know understand that I'm talking 2015-ish maybe mm-hmm. yeah no, 2014-ish because I was uh, uh, in my Collins Avenue apartment. Mm-hmm. I remember pacing in there, talking to him, be like, "Fuck, you're, the people who train with you don't train with you just because of the, your your skill set. You know, mm-hmm. it's not your product; it's because of who you are." Mm-hmm. And you were really, in, and I think you went on to do IAN yeah. shortly after that and yeah. started to expand. Maybe I'm a health coach. You asked yourself a lot of questions. But you also took action and pushed on many different angles. You tried um, uh, doing the talks with Vanessa Scotto, that I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact name of that talk at that point. Yeah. But you did the, the talks. You know, you were like, okay, I'm going to work with uh, you know other local brands, and I'm going to put Google Fresh on the board. You kept on asking yourself questions of can I be more until finally it sounds like you really started to listen to the smallest voice mm. you know yeah. that really is your smallest voice that told you how big that you could be and I, I would love to answer your question but I think it's worth us taking a pause to say that like time is so irrelevant to when this happens all that matters is that Fahim heard that voice at some point and that when the voice wasn't that small or that concrete to open up the studio he didn't it wasn't like he didn't take action he still did things he still went to nutrition school he still took on health coaching uh, things you still changed your Instagram you still took shots until you heard the voice where you knew what you needed to be doing so like for those of you listening and thinking like you know it wasn't like he went from one day to the next to close the studio or that just heard that voice one day that voice comes in many different ways and you know just keep on being in action and like mm-hmm. I think that's you know you were ready to receive this the, this quietest voice at that point in time in you know in uh, in Vancouver I'm guessing yeah and uh, you know I think the, the magic of uh, your process and watching you grow is a fantastic thing so I applaud you for always being willing to to try and to stretch yourself and to be in action oh thank you man because if you're not in action then who knows you know you might, yeah. you might still be in that studio yeah. you might never have been in Vancouver yeah you know but you had to take those actions to get to Vancouver you know yeah to hear thank you for that thank you for that no I mean I mean it means the world coming from you it does and it's something that I wrestle with I know I wrestle with daily you know my meditation helps my you know my mindfulness practice helps my expanders in my life like you help when I see what you're doing and I see how juxtaposed it is to what you were doing and I'm like oh wait if Sherm can do it and if I had a ch- chance to talk to Sherm Sherm would say the fuck are you talking about of course you can do it just do it right <laughs> so you know, I, it it's, like right. So it's, it's a it's a testament to I think one thing that even in my when when the, even in all the when I'm at my most confused moments of my life, I know enough to keep myself around people that expand the possibilities for me. And you're one of those people, so I appreciate you saying that. Um, the I, if, if we have enough time, yeah. there's a. a uh, we got all the time in the world, man. I'm all, I mean, you're, you're the one on the, you're the one visiting, so I'm trying well, to be mindful of I, your time. I've got a, a poem that I, uh, 
that I think speaks to this conversation that we're having now that I wrote um, about uh, almost two, it'll be two years in March, I wrote when I closed the Gold Rush about okay. my experience of, of that business and, and a lot of what we're talking about. And, you know, you mentioned like you meditate and that you heard a small voice. And I think that that is, out of everything that we've talked about, for me, the most meaningful is that like, you know, that persistence that you've had to quiet your mind mm-hmm. so you could hear your like most true voice. And then to be in action, to continue to give you yourself opportunity to delayer. So um, if, if you're cool with it, I'd love no, to, sh- to, to, yeah, yeah. to share. You, you, um, need, you need me to play like some background music while you find it on your, no, man, on, your continue on your talk. iPhone? Steve what? Jobs, shout out Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs, thank you for making notes. If it wasn't for notes, I don't yeah. know what I would do actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think the most important part of everything is the fact that you you gave yourself the opportunity to hear that voice. So a lot of this, as I said, was written um, in my experience of of starting a business from a place of like total spiritual alignment to losing uh, track of myself, getting caught in my, the matrix, so to speak, mm-hmm. and losing a lot of my practices of meditation, all those things in that journey and getting lost, but always knowing that there's something to come back to, which is the amazing part about being human. It, you know, you can fuck up so many times in this life. Mm-hmm. You make so many mistakes, but the true self-love never goes away. It just needs to be peeled off in order to, to, to see that it's still there. And then you get it in those small voices, which is like, you know, you're, you're here to do this or like mm-hmm. what your purpose is and like what it, what it, purposes change you know like you right. get another message in like three years it doesn't matter right what matters is that there's something that makes you feel you so mm-hmm. uh, this poem is, is uh, about that it takes mindfulness to fully integrate a soul into a human life Stop wandering around the world, wondering about you. Start wondering about it, revolving around an axis, accepting everything as is. Life moves all around you if you watch it. Come be nobody. Lose all perceptions of time. Find space in the unknown. Build kingdoms from your soul. Chase dreams real high, big brother is watching. Waiting to meet you in the eye, not the brother you thought. He waits to connect in the gaze until you fully realize that you created the maze. The rat? You made it. You built every corner in the design room, hammered every nail. You even decided it was a maze, placing more difficulties at the end of every dismay. Letting life get the best of you is quite possibly the dumbest shit I've ever heard. See, if life was to really get the best of you, you would lose all attachment to the rest of you, let go of all expectations, and spend more time in your relations. Come be nobody. Lose all perceptions of time. Find space in the unknown. Build kingdoms from your soul. When you get that brief moment where life annihilates you and you devour life, those emotions are elevated, gold-plated, and only related to an unlimited field of flowers that are made of dreams and connections, towers built from the vision of an eagle meant to gaze and watch over the forest, trees that hold space for people just to be. Here, you can be whatever you want. 
everything electromagnetic doesn't exist anywhere but in this field. All you have to do is yield to life and time. The urge to control only happens in your mind. You observe your potential, then grasp onto your experience, tuning into the opposite of what you want. You list out all the specifics. I want to be free. I want to travel the world. I want to work for an amazing company, make lots of money. Not knowing you just dip deeper into your conditioning, somatically unclear, your actions seem near, but as you start to get what you want, you hear. Come be nobody. Lose all perceptions of time. Find space in the unknown. Build kingdoms from your soul. Realizing you are lost, that first panic sets in. Then you see darkness ahead, delirium starts to let in. Then your friends start to talk. What happened to him? They can't wait to get their bets in. He is a fool. No, he is a genius. You hear this, realizing it's all meaningless. You see a mountain and an ocean. The waves pour out and come back in. The mountain's strong in their position, weathering every storm. You start to realize that this rat race is not the norm. The reflection in the mirror starts to take form. The most amazing man appears and steps out to whisper in your ear. Don't be nobody. Lose all perceptions of time. Find space in the unknown. Build kingdoms from your soul. Big Brother is you. Mind blowing. Freedom achieved. Live a life beyond whatever you believe. You are nobody. Time doesn't exist. All is spacious. Here's the thing. Life is brief. And you are already a king. Mm. Wow. So. Wow. Hold on, hold on. We gonna let that. Mm. I mean, I haven't been back home in Brooklyn in a while, but I remember Brooklyn. We let shit settle. So we gonna let that just. Mm. This is where this commercial break is brought to you by Hugo Fresh. <laughs> yo, yo. Ah, it's what we were talking about, no? Ah, come be nobody. Who's all? What, what, what is that? What, what, are you, what, are, what are you titled? What's that one title? Come be nobody. I've never been more inspired to be nobody in my life. Yeah, I mean that's that's where the the frequency of that creation of that voice is coming from is no attachment, and it's so hard. I can't imagine you're a father. Yeah. You know, like. My attachments are really loose, you know, like I'm a consultant right now, so all my attachments are super loose, you know, like my, structurally speaking, mm -hmm. I, I, I have like my brothers, but like even that is somewhat optional, right? Like, you know, we choose whether or not to call each other. When you have a business, um, like a Hula Fresh, where you have a family like yours, it becomes even harder to, uh, to hear that voice and listen to that voice. So, you know, the practice of meditation and, and getting to the place where you are go far enough in your meditation to where you are nobody is where that voice really exists you know oh, yeah. and that's where that's where you can hear it the, the loudest you know mm -hmm. and uh in your day-to-day -day, you know it's not easy to hear that so you know i think what the the journey of that poem is really about how hard it was for me to hear me mm. even though that voice was always there you know yeah. telling me to come back come be nobody you know yeah uh, um and uh it, it's it, i couldn't hear it mm. you know and, until uh i was left without a lot of those things you know yeah. and when i was left without any of that stuff 
walking down. That's when I could hear um, the voice and realize that I don't, you don't need any of it. You know, mm. you don't need any of it. It doesn't define you. You are uh, an infinite, everlasting soul, and uh, you know that that anchor of that voice telling you to to step up and, and impact millions of people is really just you telling you that you love you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Being like, hey, yeah. God, I really love you, man. Yeah. Like, and so do all these other people. Yeah. And it's hard to, to separate that from like, they come back to me because they're getting results in the training. Right. You know? Like, oh, you know, so-and-so has lost 10 pounds and feels really strong, and that's why they come back to me. Yeah. Then you start to think that that's your value in life is like your ability to create results for other people in their training. So I think the quietness of your meditation gave me the opportunity to see that you're loved beyond beyond those things. And I'm sure once a million people are lining up to hear you speak, you'll have another voice that tells you that you're more than that moment. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I said, I tell you what, man. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful poem, man. Thank you. You know, that's a beautiful poem. I mean, I'm still in the midst of settling. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, old school top, old school top ramen style. You know, <laughs> you gotta let that shit settle, or, or that, or that fucking that packet that you get at top ramen to burn, bro. Fucking just don't throw it straight on the noodles. Let that shit, let that shit settle a little bit. My uncle tried that one time. He tried to make us some noodles, man. He put the sauce on. He put the powder on too quick, man. Let it, let us. So I'm letting that settle, man. You could, um, man. There's so many different things, in so many different ways, in different languages. I can try to say, tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that, and sharing it with our audience, sharing it with me, and what it means to me, man. Um, without a doubt, you could save me 40 minutes and send it to me, or. I, mean, I got to record it so I could I could try my best to write it down. I mean, I won't plagiarize it, you know. On um, if you want to, if you, anybody want to download it, www.com. Fahim Mujahid. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I would I would love that poem. And are you are you in a point now where you selling your work or no? Uh, I've had a, a couple paid uh, gigs, but right now um, I'm really working on, on uh, writing a book. Nice. And, um, Should I wait for the book? Um, no, I really want that the, poem. the book won't have a, the poems. The poems I actually only do uh, verbally. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm getting ready actually <laughs> You're tomorrow. Like, I just thought about it. You're like the Jay Z of poets. You don't write. <laughs> you only do it verbally. You don't write. That, you're not gonna write that shit out for I, you. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's like it's an interesting thing because for me, their feelings. The reason why I write is because the feeling that I have about me personally that I think other people also have about themselves. Hell yeah. And it, the expansion that I feel in my body when I know it's time to write something. There's a lot of times that I sit down to write mm-hmm. that I can't write mm-hmm. because it, it's it, it's either coming from a really limited perspective or it's not something that I'm meant to write. Um, but the more I tap into this sort of thing, the more I realize that it's about the way that we feel. So for me, I don't think I can put my poetry and words onto something and have mm-hmm. it uh, be experienced in the same way. But I am I'm actually tomorrow um, filming some of the poetry that I'll be releasing on like a YouTube, nice. uh, Instagram TV format, awesome. kind of like almost like music video style. Okay. 
Nice, man. You need any, like, background dancers? I mean, I can. <laughs> you still got your leotard? I still got it, man. Listen, man, I still, I still got it. I still got the, you know, I still got the outfit in the back. I can still pop lock, you, you know? You got onesies or jumpsuits? What are we talking all about? All onesies, baby. Were, were you, all were you onesies. classically trained? All or, onesies. Or all nah, onesies. man, the streets trained me, man. You know? Put the, put the cardboard box on the street, man. You know? Nah, but, so, listen, man, one of the things, you know, I, a conversation with my brother, I can be up here all day with you, you know, because I really, really do um, feel such at home in your presence, man, I do. One of the things that I try to make a consistent habit of doing, um, anchors are really important to me. Anyone who follows me or knows me knows that for me, a white lacrosse ball is anchored partly because conversation I remember having with my sister before she passed, but also there's a movement element to it as well. So I, I wanted to start, I started creating a kind of rapid fire questions towards Ooh, the end of each podcast exciting. journey. Yeah. And the questions are titled questions that anchor. All right. So I'm going to throw some at you, whatever first comes to mind. All right. If you can go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Australia. Dope. Want to elaborate on why? Or? I think I would never come back. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got, I have tattoos of, of water and mountains on yeah, my arms. Yeah. yeah. I love baby tattoos. I love, <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa calls me a baby coffee drinker. Nice. I always order really small coffee. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout, <laughs> shout out, out Vanessa. Vanessa and Mario, baby yeah. coffee. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, a, they're, Two of my favorite forms of nature um, are there, and I just have a feeling that it's got the right amount of like city mm -hmm. and nature juxtaposition for me to find a permanent home. So, um, you know, I love New York, uh, but I feel like if I went to Australia, I'd never come back. Yeah, is that what the ponytail's about? You do look a little Australian. <laughs> when you walked up, I was like, oh, it's the Aussie. <laughs> this leftover uh, Jedi I love it. Halloween. I love it, man. First of all, I love the swag. I mean, you didn't have that much swag when you were here. Now you come back swagalicious. Okay. I, I love it, man. I love it. I love the goatee works, too. Do your thing. All right, so then how, so then how do you move? Uh, yoga is my, like, most fundamental practice. Okay. I've been getting more and more into walking meditation um, now. I love getting in the ocean. I love long walks. Mm. Um, I love hiking. But yoga is my, like, most consistent form of movement over the last 20 years. Um, mm. But I also really enjoy going to the gym. Um, I like, I've grown to actually like, believe it or not, lifting weights. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I like all forms of movement. Basketball is my passion, but I get hurt too much, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then how do you heal? Uh, I heal through meditation and tapping into the, like, higher emotions of life. So love and gratitude and being able to, like, sit in those emotions for longer. Mm -hmm. Um and then uh, sleep. And then sleep is really important. One thing you know for sure. That being human is we're meant to experience. We're mm. just big feeling machines. And, you know, uh, the, the real thing that we're here to do is to feel. Nice. And lastly, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, I have a poem on legacy. Yeah? You're going uh, you 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 to spit it? I mean, <laughs> you can't. 
All this is being recorded, baby. Shout out, shout out to the 2021 Fahim Poetry Book that's coming out. <laughs> so please, any more content you want to share, please. I mean, legacy free, is brother. such an interesting topic, man. I could talk yeah. for an hour just on legacy. Do whatever man. you feel inspired, man. We're here. We're here. We're listening. I mean, here I'll, I'll share my legacy, Paul. So this this is such an interesting thing because legacy is something that. I think has become like a really popular sort of uh, dialogue, and then also my father is getting uh, much older. He's uh, you know in his upper seventies now, mm-hmm. so I'm watching him being concerned about what he's leaving behind, much more so than what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And this switch of this mindset for him is the really thinking, you know, what what is going to be remembered of me, and like this attachment to this existence being remembered beyond now, mm-hmm. and then like this this guy uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. has made this has popularized this need to leave a legacy what is your legacy going to be mm-hmm. right and this need to do something that's going to be felt beyond your existence and uh, it none of it is exactly I don't have an opinion on it but uh, mm-hmm. you sure you want me to do another poem it's a pretty yeah. short yeah man right so this one is called Legacy okay don't worry about leaving one leave one Your impact here comes without fear. Everything for tomorrow gets drowned in the dollar. Tell her today, don't wait for what may be in the future. Because see, it's easy to chase an idea of what will inevitably disappear because the only thing real is not time. It's not these city lights or epic Friday nights, but the subtle tilt of the corner of the mouth as you gently thank the woman in the apron. See, I've been working on myself. Yeah trying to figure out how to live up to all the expectations, mixed emotions and blanket conversations about what we could and would do. I'll tell you what you should do, and that's look out for your language. Mangled thoughts and twisted assumptions, crazy presidents with their racist presumptions, it's all fucked up. I wanna make a difference. I want to make a difference. Fuck, man. Can I finally be significant? I try so hard. I'm scared for this thing to run out. The scoreboard that the next generation posts on billboards across this nation makes me think that my impact must be distinct, but my my patterns are flawed and my paternal paws claw up an impossible mountainside of protecting the seeds of our future existence. Work every day of your life, searching for the biggest slice of illusion pie. Maya resides to reign supreme as you chase the cream. It rises to the top, as in it bubbles over, beginning to dominate every facet of life. The dream to live forever becomes for others. Separation increases as our senses sharpen to a focus. Eye on the prize, he says. Focus, 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 he says. I don't live for me anymore, he says. Trite and trending, you give up all of you for external revenues. Envy climbs and doubt declines, but disease and suicide are on the rise. Explain to me if this is not the compromise. It's my thoughts on legacy. <laughs> legacy. Just let it settle. That poem was brought to you by ramen noodles. <laughs> I fucking 
fucking love you, brother. I do, man. God. Listen, man, before we go, man, are you back in Miami at any point soon? Because I'm sure, you know, one, I know everybody's going to want to hear from you again. Um, I'm not paying for these podcast interviews, so if you have time, um, I'll come for the next podcast interviewer. <laughs> I'll come to you. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'll make, he, I'll make, took, he took me to Burger King she, for the uh, okay. Burger. Nah, hell nah. Hell, <laughs> but I do want to talk to you about that next time. Um, no, but whenever, whenever you have time, man. Listen, I know you're traveling around. I know whenever you're here, there's people pulling you in ten thousand different ways, man. But. Um, Sherm, I love you, man. Love you too. Um, man. More than life itself, man. I consider you a brother, man, and um, I choose you to be my family. You know, so thank you, and and I, I'm I'm really blessed that my tribe got a chance to learn a little bit about you and meet you. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, tribe. There you go. Peace. Breathe life. <laughs> nice. Hey Tribe, so if you're excited about the Breathe Life content and you want to find other ways to stay connected, the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure to type in Fahim Mujahid or Breathe Life into the search bar and check out all the mindful things we have going on on your favorite